This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Yosemite by John Muir. Chapter 1 Section D The Nevada Fall. The Nevada Fall is six hundred feet high and is usually ranked next to the Yosemite in general interest among the five main falls of the valley. Coming through the little Yosemite and tranquil reaches, the river is first broken into rapids on a moraine boulder bar that crosses the lower end of the valley. Thence it pursues its way to the head of the fall in a rough, solid rock channel, dashing on side angles, heaving in heavy surging masses against elbow knobs, and swirling and swashing in potholes without a moment's rest. Thus, already chafed and dashed to foam, overfolded and twisted, it plunges over the brink of the precipice as if glad to escape into the open air. But before it reaches the bottom it is pulverized yet finer by impinging upon a sloping portion of the cliff about halfway down, thus making it the whitest of all the falls of the valley, and altogether one of the most wonderful in the world. On the north side, close to its head, a slab of granite projects over the brink, forming a fine point for a view over its throng of streamers and wild plunging into its intensely white bosom, and through the broad drifts of spray to the river far below, gathering its spent waters and rushing on again down the canyon in glad exultation into Emerald Pool, where at length it grows calm and gets rest for what still lies before it. All the features of the view correspond with the waters in grandeur and wildness. The glacier-sculptured walls of the canyon on either hand, with the sublime mass of the glacier-point ridge in front, form a huge triangular pit-like basin, which, filled with the roaring of the falling river, seems as if it might be the hopper of one of the mills of the gods in which the mountains were being ground. THE VERNAL FALL The Vernal, about a mile below the Nevada, is four hundred feet high, a staid, orderly, graceful, easy-going fall, proper and exact in every movement and gesture, with scarce a hint of the passionate enthusiasm of the Yosemite, or of the impetuous Nevada, whose chafed and twisted waters hurrying over the cliff seem glad to escape into the open air, while its deep, booming thunder-tones reverberate over the listening landscape. Nevertheless, it is a favorite with most visitors, doubtless because it is more accessible than any other, more closely approached and better seen and heard. A good stairway ascends the cliff beside it, and the level plateau at the head enables one to saunter safely along the edge of the river as it comes from Emerald Pool and to watch its waters, calmly bending over the brow of the precipice, in a sheet eighty feet wide, changing in color from green to purplish-gray and white, until dashed on a boulder talus. Thence, issuing from beneath its fine, broad spray-clouds, we see the tremendously adventurous river still unspent, beating its way down the wildest and deepest of all its canyons in gray, roaring rapids, dear to the oozel, and below the confluence of the Illilouette, sweeping around the shoulder of the half-dome on its approach to the head of the tranquil levels of the valley. THE Illilouette FALL the Illilouette, in general appearance, most resembles the Nevada. The volume of water is less than half as great, but it is about the same height, six hundred feet, and its waters receive the same kind of preliminary tossing in a rocky, irregular channel. Therefore it is a very white and fine-grained fall. 
when it is in full springtime bloom it is partly divided by rocks that roughen the lip of the precipice but this division amounts only to a kind of fluting and grooving of the column which has a beautiful effect it is not nearly so grand a fall as the upper yosemite or so symmetrical as the vernal or so airily graceful and simple as the bridal veil nor does it ever display so tremendous an outgush of snowy magnificence as the Nevada, but in the exquisite fineness and richness of texture of its flowing folds it surpasses them all. One of the finest effects of sunlight on falling water I ever saw in Yosemite or elsewhere I found on the brow of this beautiful fall. It was in the Indian summer, when the leaf colors were ripe, and the great cliffs and domes were transfigured in the hazy golden air. I had scrambled up to its rugged, talus-dammed canyon, oftentimes stopping to take breath and look back to admire the wonderful views to be had there of the great half-dome, and to enjoy the extreme purity of the water, which in the motionless pools on this stream is almost perfectly invisible, the colored foliage of the maples, dogwoods, rubus tangles, etc., and the late goldenrods and asters. The voice of the fall was now low, and the grand spring and summer floods had waned to sifting, drifting gauze, and thin broidered folds of linked and arrowy lacework. When I reached the foot of the fall sunbeams were glinting across its head, leaving all the rest of it in shadow, and on its illumined brow a group of yellow spangles of singular form and beauty were playing, flashing up and dancing in large flame-shaped masses, wavering at times, then steadying, rising and falling in accord with the shifting forms of the water. But the color of the dancing spangles changed not at all. Nothing in clouds or flowers, on birds' wings or the lips of shells, could rival it in fineness. It was the most divinely beautiful mass of rejoicing yellow light I ever beheld, one of nature's precious gifts that perchance may come to us but once in a lifetime. THE MINOR FALLS There are many other comparatively small falls and cascades in the valley. The most notable are the Yosemite Gorge Fall and Cascades, Tenaya Fall and Cascades, Royal Arch Falls, the Two Sentinel Cascades, and the Falls of Cascade and Tamarack Creeks, a mile or two below the lower end of the valley. These last are often visited. The others are seldom noticed or mentioned, although in almost any other country they would be visited and described as wonders. The six intermediate falls in the gorge between the head of the lower and the base of the upper Yosemite Falls, separated by a few deep pools and strips of rapids, and three slender tributary cascades on the west side form a series more strikingly varied and combined than any other in the valley, yet very few of all the valley visitors ever see them or hear of them. No available standpoint commands a view of them all. The best general view is obtained from the mouth of the gorge near the head of the lower fall. The two lowest of the series, together with one of the three tributary cascades, are visible from this standpoint, but in reaching it the last twenty or thirty feet of the descent is rather dangerous in time of high water, the shelving rocks being then slippery on account of spray, but if one should chance to slip when the water is low, only a bump or two and a harmless plash would be the penalty. No part of the gorge, however, is safe to any but cautious climbers. Though the dark gorge hall of these rejoicing waters is never flushed by the purple light of morning or evening, it is warmed and cheered by the white light of noonday, which, falling into so much foam and spray of varying degrees of fineness, makes marvellous displays of rainbow colours. 
So filled, indeed, is it with this precious light at favourable times, it seems to take the place of common air. Laurel bushes shed fragrance into it from above, and live-oaks, those fearless mountaineers, hold fast to angular seams, and lean out over it, with their fringing sprays and bright mirror leaves. One bird, the oozel, loves this gorge and flies through it merrily, or cheerily, rather, stopping to sing on foam-washed bosses where other birds could find no rest for their feet. I have seen even a gray squirrel down in the heart of it, beside the wild rejoicing water. One of my favorite night walks was along the rim of this wild gorge in times of high water when the moon was full, to see the lunar bows in the spray. For about a mile above Mirror Lake the Tenaya Canyon is level, and richly planted with fir, Douglas spruce, and libocedrus, forming a remarkably fine grove, at the head of which is Tenaya Fall. Though seldom seen or described, this is, I think, the most picturesque of all the small falls. A considerable distance above it, Tenaya Creek comes hurrying down, white and foamy, over a flat pavement inclined at an angle of about eighteen degrees. In time of high water this sheet of rapids is nearly seventy feet wide, and is varied in a very striking way by three parallel furrows that extend in the direction of its flow. These furrows, worn by the action of the stream upon cleavage joints, vary in width, are slightly sinuous, and have large boulders firmly wedged in them here and there in narrow places, giving rise, of course, to a complicated series of wild dashes, doublings, and upleaping arches in the swift torrent. Just before it reaches the head of the fall, the current is divided, the left division making a vertical drop of about eighty feet in a romantic, leafy, flowery, mossy nook, while the other forms a rugged cascade. The Royal Arch Fall in time of high water is a magnificent object, forming a broad ornamental sheet in front of the arches. The two sentinel cascades, three thousand feet high, are also grand spectacles when the snow is melting fast in the spring, but by the middle of summer they have diminished to mere streaks, scarce noticeable amid their sublime surroundings. THE BEAUTY OF THE RAINBOWS the Bridal Veil and Vernal Falls are famous for their rainbows, and special visits to them are often made when the sun shines into the spray at the most favorable angle. But amid the spray and foam and fine ground mist, ever rising from the various falls and cataracts, there is an affluence and variety of iris bows scarcely known to visitors who stay only a day or two, both day and night, winter and summer. This divine light may be seen wherever water is falling, dancing, singing, telling the heart-peace of nature amid the wildest displays of her power. In the bright spring mornings the black-walled recess at the foot of the lower Yosemite Fall is lavishly fine with irised spray, and not simply does this span the dashing foam, but the foam itself, the whole mass of it, beheld at a certain distance, seems to be coloured, and drips and wavers from colour to colour, mingling with the foliage of the adjacent trees, without suggesting any relationship to the ordinary rainbow. This is perhaps the largest and most reservoir-like fountain of iris colors to be found in the valley. Lunar rainbows or spray-bows also abound in the glorious affluence of dashing, rejoicing, hurrahing, enthusiastic spring floods, their colors as distinct as those of the sun, and regularly and obviously banded, though less vivid. Fine specimens may be found any night at the foot of the upper Yosemite Fall, glowing gloriously amid the gloomy shadows and thundering waters, whenever there is plenty of moonlight and spray. 
even the secondary bow is at times distinctly visible. The best point from which to observe them is on Fern Ledge. For some time after moonrise, at the time of high water, the ark has a span of about five hundred feet, and is set upright, one end planted in the boiling spray at the bottom, the other in the edge of the fall, creeping lower, of course, and becoming less upright as the moon rises higher. This grand arc of color, glowing in mild, shapely beauty in so weird and huge a chamber of night shadows, and amid the rush and roar and tumultuous dashing of this thunder-voiced fall, is one of the most impressive and most cheering of all the blessed mountain evangels. Smaller bows may be seen in the gorge on the plateau between the upper and lower falls. Once toward midnight, after spending a few hours with the wild beauty of the upper fall, I sauntered along the edge of the gorge, looking in here and there, wherever the footing felt safe, to see what I could learn of the night aspects of the smaller falls that dwell there, and down in an exceedingly black, pit-like portion of the gorge, at the foot of the highest of the intermediate falls, into which the moonbeams were pouring through a narrow opening, I saw a well-defined spray-bow, beautifully distinct in colors, spanning the pit from side to side, while pure white foam-waves beneath the beautiful bow were constantly springing up out of the dark into the moonlight, like dancing ghosts. End of Section D of Chapter 1 Read by Rachel Gorham, Yosemite, California, September 14, 2006.